clam jousters and squeezebox enthusiasts. Savor the aroma of your favorite pie, snatch a little midday romance, and whisper to Venus all of your most secret desires. I've never been more ashamed to be a part of Talk Tell to Me. Is someone stirring a pot of pasta? You ever see the uh, Robin Williams live on Broadway? Yes. yes. Yeah. The, his very end bit. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother was in the room the first time I saw that happen. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sade. <laughs> and I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A half-light fantastical reverie in which Nick Mouth Music McGill and Omen the Oyster Gargler Sade We'll speak in tongues about every single track that sticky-bearded rock band Jethro Tull has ever produced. We will give the devil's kiss to David Dinner Beneath the Bridge Peg. We will eat sushi off the barbershop floor with Martin Mustache Ride Bar. And we will growl at the badger with Jerry the Gorilla in the Washing Machine Conway. And if we cannot gum into submission all of the monsters which come at us from every direction, we may well call upon the mighty flute of the beaver of Blackpool, the panty hamster of Prague Rock, the great Scottish Wookiee kisser himself, Ian Anderson. Do you know that Ian, actually, this is a little known fact, loves pussy cats? No, that's a that's a very commonly known fact. He's rescued thousands of them. And he personally kisses everyone. Indeed, as as we all should. Nick, hello. Welcome back. I feel like we should put a warning in front of this uh, this week's episode. Uh, hello, Omen. It's it's been a minute. I feel like it it's been, been a while. Minute. Yeah, yeah. You you went over. You went across the pond. Believe it or not, for about a week. I did. I had a very much too brief and much too fun trip to England. It was uh, it was strictly family oriented. Met a bunch of the in laws that I should have met two years ago had not COVID reared its naughty head and it was great i gained weight i gained perspective i rode a lot of trains 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 yeah and maybe there'll be a little episode about my travels oh baby for maybe the investors yeah that's right however today nick we have the pleasure of talking about yet another Jethro Tull song. Oh my gosh. Believe it or not, we are on song number seven off of the album. This is the second song off of side B. We are going to talk Pussy Willow today. Indeed we are. Nick, any little tidbits for us before we dive in? I think we should just dive right in. I've got a couple pieces. I'm going to disperse them at opportune moments. I am always in favor of just diving straight in. Diving? That's that's a little too, too on much. the nose. That was too much. Speaking of on the nose. If it's on the nose, you're doing something right. Let's have a listen. <laughs> Nick, I am sopping after listening to that song. Goodness me, I'm glad I didn't wear pants. <laughs> There's no, you know. I do. Yeah. 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 
There is, that's Pussy Willow. Nick, is this a song which you enjoy to listen to? This is a weird song for me. Period. No, this is a weird song for me because I, I long before I had Broadsword, Broadsword was not one that, that you or I had while we were growing up. It Like, we didn't get it until college. Yeah, it was a later discovery for us. However, very early into my Tull experience, I had A Little Light Music, the, one of right. the live albums. Yep. And they play Pussy Willow. It is track number 16 on that album. And this is what it sounds like. Is instrumental. That's amazing. It works so well as an instrumental. Yeah, it's Martin on half of it as like his guitar is taking on the the, the role of the vocals, and then yes. Ian comes in with his flute. I didn't know this song had vocals until well into my college career when I heard it on Broadsword. I was like, oh wait, oh Pussy Willow has vocals if you do it right. If you do it right, the sound tells you what's happening. In the sense that the lyrics are the story Correct. of the song. That, yes. Martin Barr sounds very Mark Knopflery in that live recording. Tis the season. I mean, they're really, they're really getting into it. And let's see, a little light music was 92. 92, which would it would have put us right at Catfish, right after yeah. Catfish. Yeah, almost a decade, basically, basically exactly a decade after. Yeah. Broadsword's release. Really interesting to hear how, you know, 10 years on they were they were approaching some of that material. That's really cool. But it's also that perfect time where we were super into the Mark Knopfler sound, the Dire Straits sound of Tull. I mean, I can't help but think of that with with Catfish and and Crest. Yeah, and you know, obviously it's worth mentioning that Dire Straits is a band that formed well after the formation of Jethro Tull. Right. So, we're not trying to imply that Tall was taking on the sound of Dire Straits, but it's just, you know, it's a it's something that, that sounds similar to our years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All that being said, that is what I was accustomed to with Pussy Willow, but when I did learn that it had lyrics and even listened to the original version of it, experiencing it in, in Broadsword as a whole, like, mm-hmm. it's on the top of the list for favorite songs on this album. Oh, really? Yeah. Sonically, it's very lovely. I, I wonder, were you put off when you first listened to the to the original recording because it was just because it was different from what you were used to or was it kind of an exciting discovery i think it was i think it was more exciting than than off-putting some people find it very off-putting some people find it really exciting when you discover it for the first time <laughs> and some people only do it once 
And then that's enough, you know, never again. They go back to what they used to know, and that's fine. Yeah, whatever works for you. There's no judgment, and we support your choices as long as everyone is consenting when they listen to Pussy Willow. This is a judgment-free zone. You know, just going back to the Mark Knopfler, Martin Barr query question, I actually, I recall in an interview that Martin was giving that he was playing Les Paul guitars for a while, and Mm -hmm. Les Paul is the, that style of semi-hollow body guitar is the kind of guitar and the make of guitar that Mark Knopfler famously played. So there may be a little bit of just the hardware. Sure. Kind of overlapping in, in a sense during that period of time. Sure. Two consummate professionals who can can communicate through that machine if they're they're just like at the peak of their game they're going to get a similar sound out of a, the same kind of machine essentially exactly yeah there's going to be something similar there the, the yeah. if you drive a ferrari two people drive the same ferrari good for them <laughs> two people drive two different ferraris i mean they can only go so quickly I have lost the pedal of where this metaphor is headed. So, Nick, let's talk sonically about about Pussy Willow, shall we? Yeah. So what an interesting juxtaposition of these really kind of soft light sounds and these and and this incredible sense of darkness. Yeah. This is a song that is full of contradiction, full of tension, you know, lots of tension building up over a period of time, and then a release, a gorgeous, shuddering release toward the end. Some would even say maybe a little death, almost. You could say that. (laughs) I don't know how we're going to get through this episode. (laughs) I think it's going to stop eventually because we're going to run out of euphemisms, presumably. (laughs) Will we? (laughs) Hold my beer. (laughs) But, you know, right at the top, we have that incredible, the the very distinct sound. For me, one of the sounds that really typifies this song is that Flute slash organ sound. It's I think it's the keyboard using like like a wind organ setting. I do. You know, it feels very tugboat to me. I was going to (laughs) say calliope. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Which is which were often found on boats. And then underneath that we have the mandolin. I mean, this is this is really this this sound really and actually the whole song really reminds me of some of the films of the era, like Labyrinth. I think we've talked about Labyrinth. Mm, There's that sure. you know, where we were in the zeitgeist of the of the time, there was this real embracing of fantasy. Sure, right. It's not a simple fantasy either. Oh no, it is a it is a fantasy which is positively Byzantine in its complexity. It is layered and complex and yes. and there are multifacets that if you look at it a different way, if you listen to it a different way, you will interpret it in a different manner and I think that can apply to Labyrinth and I sure as heck think that can apply to this song. Yeah. Right from the top we get the electric guitar playing counterpoint. Yeah, those stings. That was not an exact rendition, I'm afraid. Oh, that wasn't? You didn't just play it right there? No. Oh. <laughs> we have some some gorgeous big synth sweeps as the song continues to develop. 
get that kind of landscape shaped underpinnings of the of the music coming in. What starts to really bring that edge of darkness into it is is the bass for me, David Pegg on the bass. His bass is really nice in this. It's really interesting what he's doing. When we get to in a sad voice that no one hears, that nobody hears, uh-huh. we start to hear the bass playing almost like a, an alternate melody. In a sad voice, nobody hears. And then it's sort of in the mid-level, and then it drops way down as, as we get to the chorus. With the piano chords coming in alongside of it, bringing that incredible sense of darkness and, and, uh, and exhilaration. You know, it's like you're being swept away by a, a big black horse of some kind. Yes, the bass is really the, the bass is really funky and impressive in this, but PJV's keyboard is kind of all over the place with the variety of sounds that he plays, and it, it works so well. It's not it's not too busy, it's not too distracting, but the variety that he has going on in here back and forth, it's it's really nice. I really like the keyboard work in this one. Yeah, I actually had that note as well, that he is extremely skillful in this song. And it's, to me, it really typifies, at least so far, the value of this type of musician. Yeah. Where he is doing, like you said, he he has that kind of calliope sound. He has the straight piano sound. He has the synth sweeps. He's probably doing some other things in there that we haven't even identified. Yeah. And all of that could be a vehicle for his his ego. And it's not. It literally, it just is at the service of the song. And it's, you almost could not notice it. Even though it's so present. Because it just, it hits you straight in the feelings of the heart. It really makes me think about listening to John Evan for so many years. And how amazing he was. But it was, it was... I don't want to say subdued, but it was it was a lot simpler, you know, like John Evan never went to town on like three keyboards on on a synthesizer and a and and this and that, you know, like the the wildest he got was what Mellotron maybe he conveyed all of his energy with one single instrument, yeah. and that I think was what was special about him as a performer, yeah, but now that we're yeah, now that the band is evolving and and also the technology is evolving. We have the possibility, and I do think that special guest Eddie Jobson really kind of broke that open and showed Ian, you know, here's the possibility. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Like he, he really did open up our experience of 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 what we can hear through Tull, and and I do think you're right that that he may have had some influence on on Ian because he very well could have gone back to he probably wouldn't have gone directly to John Evan, but he could have gone for a simpler keyboard sound. But I think he he recognized how valuable yeah, that is. Absolutely, particularly because he I mean he didn't go back to D either, so he didn't have that that orchestration. So it was it was a a simplifying but kind of a compounding of of tasks on one person, you know, as opposed to having three people doing being able to present this sound. Yeah, and it's common in in bands for somebody to be um a switch player, a switch hitter sure. to play both sides, to both yeah. pitch and catch. That. Yeah. Mhm. You know, with, you know, doubling, doubling. That's it. There it is. Doubling on clarinet and a saxophone and a flute. Sure. 
but PJV is tripling or quadrupling. Oh yeah, he's he's carrying quite the load. Yeah, he's six tupling. Yeah, when Ian comes in here on this, boy, is his voice like peak. His voice is so good in this song. It is perfect register. I think we've said that about a handful of songs on this album. Like, he's really at his sweet spot on a lot of the stuff that he chose to sing on this. It's nice. It's gorgeous. And it is further shown off by the incredible and skillful key change that is in the Mm. middle between the first two choruses of this song. interesting construction that we get two verses two choruses and then a verse and then a chorus and in between those first two choruses we have this breakdown which leads into an incredibly skillful and gorgeous key change i am not always a fan of key changes nick mcgill it's not too terribly offensive in this it's not drastic it's not thrown into your face it's just a subtle step it's noticeable, but it's it's not it's not terrible. I like a good key change. I think they're kind of fun. I like a good key change, and this is a good key change. What I don't like is when it's suddenly like random key change for no reason. This the key change is built in such a way that, like you said, you barely notice it mm-hmm. until you get to that second part of the song, and suddenly you're like, <gasps> Ian's voice is just like so much even more what it was. Yeah, it's it swells with the energy. It swells. Tumescent. The blood rushes into the second half of the song and, you know, just feel like all of your nerve ends are being stimulated. It's just so turgid. So turgid. That being said, wasn't there a Tull song, probably an album or two ago, that you did not like the key change? I think you and J-Man... There was a key change that you were both like, no, no. Yes, this I is... don't recall exactly what that is. What that I don't was, either. But, uh, yeah. Yes, that it struck me as the kind of unnecessary musical theater key change where it's like, yeah, oh, change keys. And it's right at the end of the song, too, when they just repeat, yes, repeat. Exactly. Yes. Dang it. I know J-Man's going to comment when he hears this. He's going to know exactly what we're talking about. So join the Discord so you can uh, so you can know which song we're talking about. Exactly. This also, there's some fun stuff happening at the end of this song. We have a vocal Ah, sound? Yeah. Sometimes we have had be presented by an organ. Mm -hmm. Speaking of organs. Speaking of presenting an... (laughs) But in this case, I'm pretty sure that it is the actual human voices of of the band singing. Ah. It's layered enough and unique enough that I think it is. But also, I never heard it before until now, and it's only at the very end, maybe the last two times that he says Pussy Willow, on the O, there's, it's just the faintest going, O, O, O. Pussy Willow. Like someone intentionally echoing. Pussy Willow. Yeah, 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 interesting. Really, really gorgeous song. I, I particularly like this one. At the very end... Unlike most Tulls, where we finish with a bang, ironically, this one, we we get an honest-to-goodness fade-out here. It just, there's no ending to it. It just disappears. It's interesting. We go through phases, I think. I I think for a while, we were dealing with a lot of fade-outs. Dealing with. We were experiencing, we were having the pleasure of listening to a lot of (laughs) fade-outs. 
Yeah. You know, now I think we're in a phase where it is more, we're going to end the song on this note. And this is a little bit counter to the stream. Which I think is is kind of a nice touch because this song itself sounds rather unique on the album. It's a very nice touch. Yeah, it's a good touch. Mm. Not a bad touch. Mm-mm. Nick, anything else to say musically about Pussy Willow? I think our hands are halfway up the thighs. We should uh, we should get into our, our midsection here. Let's, let's take a quick break. <laughs> take a cold shower. Oh, hey, Nick. And, oh, man, we are, we're halfway there. We got uh, a little bit of info. I'm, I'm a little bit more than halfway there, if I'm honest. Yeah. What have you, what have we got for housekeeping today? So I have, I've got an email and you have just a little, a little more of an anecdote. I have an anecdote with a special treat. From your adventures across the pond. Would you like to do that first? Sure. So as we mentioned at the top of the episode, I recently took a lovely trip to England And while I was in Ellesmere Port visiting part of my wife's family, my in-laws, I happened to mention to to one of my uncles-in-law that I have a passion for Jethro Tull. We got talking about North Sea oil because we were talking about, you know, energy and the economy as one does. And, And I mentioned the podcast. I went for a run, came back, and he said, hey, listen, I've got something to show you. He had found in his attic a pristine condition Jethro Tull 25 year anniversary program in 1992 there was a tour with Andy Giddings Don Perry Dave Pegg Ian Anderson and Martin Barr as part of the tour they released this incredible you know 50 page 40 page record sized booklet which has incredible information there's all these wonderful pictures Ian Anderson looks very handsome in these pictures and is very stylish, actually, very modern. Did you say 92? Yeah. Same year as A Little Light Music that we were talking about, oddly enough. Look at that. Yeah, interesting. There's some wonderful pictures that I've never seen before from from throughout the ages. There are write-ups of every single year in the 25 years by Ian Anderson. Wow. There are written interviews. There are sort of pictures of ephemera. There's this incredible section, which is a family tree of all the musicians. That's so cool. Showing which bands they played in both before and after working with Jethro Tull. Really something invaluable that I had no idea existed. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I wish they would have put that in like silent singing or something. Or maybe we've got a couple more Tull books coming out. Maybe they'll be in there. Yeah, and and it's funny. It's referred to as, so you have, you know, up at the top, it's called Tull's Roots. And it has a fantastic picture of a of a tree with a face in it. And you get, you have back in 1963, the blades with Ian Anderson, Barrymore Barlow, John Evan, Jeffrey Hammond, Hammond, and Michael Stevens. And we have the John Evan band, the John Evans, John Evans smash. We see that Barrymore Barlow goes to the all jump kangaroo band for a while. (laughs) And then the way it's listed is Jethro Tull one, Jethro Tull two, Jethro Tull three, all the way through Jethro Tull 15. Every time they change the lineup. That's how it's, that's the naming convention. And you see the similar thing with Fairport Convention kind of running in parallel along the side. Okay. David Pegg came over from Fairport Convention. Eddie Jobson came over from Fairport Convention. Martin Alcock came over from Fairport Convention. Sure. It's the Fairport Convention to Jethro Tull Pipeline. Yeah, they kind of ran parallel 
That's oh, that's so cool. It is so meaty and in depth. We may actually do a bonus episode for Patreon subscribers a little bit later on down the road because that is that's just what a cool resource that is. And in the back, you've got you know the merch being advertised. There's mm-hmm. they're advertising a four CD box set, which is which looks which is designed to look like a cigar case, maybe a reference to a small cigar. It's fascinating. Oh sure, yeah. I also while I was at a, in um, Chester, England, stopped by a record shop and picked up not only a vinyl copy of the live show at the Isle of Wight in 1970 71, yeah, but also a vinyl copy of. The most recent album, The Zealot Gene. The Zealot Gene. Nick, what have you got? I have an email from friend of the pod, doctor of the pod. It's been a while since we heard from Doc Savage. This is an email entitled Pussy Willow. Oh, look at that. This came in in the middle of April and I've been sitting on it until we got to this song. Says, morning, Nick. I've been meaning to write this for a while and never found time, so I hope it reaches you before you and Omen record the pod for Pussy Willow. AJ Kerrigan and I were talking about it, and we thought it possibly relevant, possibly tangential. As well as being a tree and a children's book, the Pussy Willow is also a strip club in John Le Carre's novel, The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. Oh, interesting. It crops up in Chapter 7, if you don't want to read the whole book, although I recommend it. It's a fine work or page 64 of the current Penguin edition if you don't want to read the whole chapter. Here's the interesting thing. It is described as a horribly seedy, filthy little place in grimly realistic terms. But in Martin Ritt's film of the novel with Richard Burton and Claire Bloom, it is transformed into a sparkling, glamorous hangout. In every other respect, Ritt's movie, also very good, by the way, follows the novel almost to the letter. This is his only deviation. Clearly, that's because Hollywood would never acknowledge that sex can have a furtive, unpleasant side, but the disconnection between the two seems to me to feed into the song's imagining of a 9-to-5 secretary dreaming of something more exotic in her life. So, relevant or barely tangential? I'll let you decide, but I offer it for what it's worth. That's... Really interesting, and I think is going to be wonderful fuel for the fire of our conversation in the second half of our chat here. Absolutely. Nick, anything else to say? Oh, I'm so sorry. Hold on. Who's, what is that? What's going on? Ah, Master, Master Robin, have you, have you got any, any D-sized batteries? Oh. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that we might actually be out. I really need them right now. Um, something urgent, something that you need to replace the batteries. And I can't, I can't tell you. Uh, okay. Well, all I have is some double A batteries. I'll take the lot of them. I'll squish them together. It'll power the damn thing. Off I go. It's not powered by an outboard motor. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to know what she gets up to on her, on her hours off. <laughs> oh, there goes a, there's a moped. Oh. <laughs> Nick. Anything else to add while we're in the break room here at the Feckless Moms Imaginary Studio break room? That's it for me. I think we can dive in unless you've got something. I have not got anything except a renewed excitement to talk about the song at hand. So let's dive in. There we go. 
Omen. Here we go. We are about to get into the context, the lyrics, the meaning. What the heck is Pussy Willow? I'm glad you asked. Just a few days ago, Jethro Tull released a live concert on their YouTube. Oh, yes. It's a remaster from a, a live concert in Germany from 82. And it was, I think it was, it was only up for like 48 hours for some reason. Yes, I actually watched part of it while I was in England, but unfortunately I was very drunk on English ale, and so I don't really remember it. <laughs> it's very good, or it was very good, if it's not available anymore. So is the ale. However, Ian gives a brief introduction to this song in there. Yes, let's hear it. He says, quote, Here's a song about a very sad young lady with an extremely boring job. Her name is Pussy Willow. Mm. And that's it. And then he dives in. Thanks, Ian. That was it for part two. Thanks. Come on back uh, next week. Omen, before we get into that, yeah, I know we're going to get into to innuendo and euphemism and who knows what. Oh, finally. What's a pussy willow? Oh, Nick, I'm so glad that you asked. A pussy willow is a tree. It's a plant. It's a bloom, in fact. The pussy willow is the outside structure of what becomes the flower of certain species of, of trees. Mm-hmm. So in the spring... The, the trees are, are budding and in preparation to release some of their flowering bodies, which, you know, don't necessarily look like flowers in the typical sense, but they release the, the spores and they have the stamens and the, the pistons and all that. Pistol, not piston. The Pistols, the, yes. The mechanic flowers. They have a sort of furry husk over them, which I imagine is is a kind of protecting against sudden changes in temperature. Also called catkins. Yes, also called catkins. Yep. It's sort of a, a charming first sign of spring. I mean, growing up in upstate New York, when you saw the pussy willows come out, that was sort of a beautiful, soft, gentle, unusual, mysterious reminder, tactile, experiential reminder of the fact that spring was on its way. And they only are out for a very brief amount of time. Anything else to add about about pussy willows? They're one of the first things to come up before really any flowers do. So it's this really nice transition of snow into just the catkins, and then you really start to see your daffodils come up and, and irises and yeah. your early spring flowers. They're colloquially called pussy willows because at some point someone thought that those tiny little little furry fruiting bodies looked like cats. Well, and also catkin, you yeah, can imagine, well, exactly, yeah. comes from like little cat. Yeah. And they're so, I mean, they're soft and fluffy. They look like little gray kittens and they're so fun to touch. Yeah, they're, they're very pleasant. So that's that's a pussy willow. So, Nick, why do you think that the girl in the song is called Pussy Willow? I mean, I, the big question for me is, is this just like an unfortunate coincidence? <laughs> Does that word not mean what it means over there? Because it, it's highly likely. You know, they have plenty of, of verbiage for genitalia over there that we don't have here. And they use them more freely. Well, and words in general. I, I had a very confusing situation uh, while I was in England where I, I didn't realize. Okay, so uh, there, was a, there was a woman. I was at a pub and there was a, it was a dog-friendly pub. There was a woman who came with her dog. I was sitting outside and she, she saw that we had a dog. We had a dog with us. And she said, oh, have you, is there a bowl of water for the dogs? And I said, referring to the thing that sticks out of the pub where you can twist the wa- you can twist a thing and water will come out. I said, oh, I don't see a bowl, but, you know, there's a spigot right behind you. 
And she looked at me with such shock and confusion and said, a what? And I panicked in, in transatlantic translation and said, um, a tap? And she said, oh, I see. And then I related the story to several other English people and they were like, we have never heard the word spigot. So it's not like it was offensive. It was just like a completely foreign word. Never has been heard That's in peculiar. that green which I had no idea. So yes, I think there it is entirely possible. Option A is that Pussy Willow doesn't have any sexual connotation in England. However, the second and perhaps much more likely scenario is that the word pussy has as much relevance and meaning in the sense of the vagina in England as it does to us here in the States. Okay. And if that's the case, this song is incredibly clever. And that's why I think that that's the more likely scenario because I do think this song is incredibly clever and weaves together these different levels at the same time, which is something that we've remarked about Tall before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that what's brilliant about this song, if that's the case, is that there is the built-in plausible deniability right of being able to say oh no it's just a kind of you know poetic flower springtime metaphor it's the middle schooler after you yell at them for like snapping a rubber band going what i wasn't doing anything right exactly exactly i was yeah what's fascinating is that a skillful artist can can make the listener think dirty thoughts without revealing really what he's talking about right to to varying degrees yeah so on the surface let's forego euphemism for now let's interpret as innocent little ian has written the song sure i'll go there so it is it is this this character this woman that our narrator is talking about Mm -hmm. affectionately fondly named pussy willow presumably fondly named fondling her 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 mane Um, and and it's she just she doesn't want to go to work she fantasizes because she works at a at a crappy boring nine to five with a typewriter and uh, etc etc and that's that's ultimately it right yes i think that 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 here the thing that is brilliant about this song is that with either interpretation this song is fundamentally about fantasy Sure, 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 sure. Although I, one thing I really found interesting, and maybe it's just a a, a, a sign of the times, if you will, she sure. she fantasizes about a better life, but she still needs to be saved in that life. She waits mm. in her castle of make believe for her white knight to appear. She waits in her castle of make believe for her white. You know, but maybe in 82, was that still like a a viable fantasy? Like maybe, I don't know, like to be rescued. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know where my white knight is, but I could, I could use one of those too. Well, I mean, first of all, why he got to be white. Second of all, I think that the thing with fantasy is that because it exists in the mind, all fantasy is valid. Like fantasy exists Fantasy is like a the act of fantasizing and the fantasies that we create are a really uniquely human, I assume, experience. Yeah. And 
there's no limit to them. I mean, that's what's so amazing about the human imagination and what's so brilliant about about art. You know, it it gives us the space to fantasize. Mm. And whatever role I think that fantasy can play a very healthy role in general, you know, for 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 really young people, it helps to develop the imagination. For adults, it helps us to escape. When it comes to sex, you know, I think we all have people, you know, people of it's a truism to say that the the biggest sex organ is the is the brain. Yeah. Ugh, brain. <laughs> Insert brain here. And so, you know, fantasy plays the role of of sort of getting your your body to the <laughs> to the point of excitement, regardless of what's happening in the real world, or you know, or parallel to it, or additionally. So, right. Whatever her fantasy is, that's what her fantasy is. If it's sure. to be rescued by a white knight, and you know, maybe there's a maybe the rescuing has a sexual element. Maybe it doesn't. Right. The idea of being of being helpless and being saved from from doom and peril and danger oh, that's like one of my favorite fantasies this, that's right i've the number of times i've swept you off your feet and carried you down a set of stairs <laughs> in my mind in your mind in your mind uh, the uh we have a reference of a train 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 trains it's been a while since we've heard about a train i think that's really funny runs for the train yep runs for the train and that that just ties back in with she doesn't want to go to work. She's almost late for the train. It's part of that commute. It's part of those worming tunnels that we heard about a couple of weeks ago that we talked about. Yeah. You know, it's this it's the 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 feeling of of part of the slog, part of the machine. Well, and I think that what's interesting with this is that the tension in this song, both lyrically and musically, between the fantasy and the re and her real life is a is a theme that is really, you know, not uncommon in art, but and 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 very worth exploring. Any Star Trek fans out there will certainly be familiar with in the Next Generation series. There's this recurring storyline of uh, Lieutenant Barkley, who is this kind of neurotic, very anxious, very talented uh, technician aboard the Enterprise who always falls into becoming obsessed with the holodeck programs and creating mm. these elaborate fantasies for himself and getting totally distracted and, and from his work and unable to participate in in the ongoing day-to-day workings of the ship because he's just completely caught up in these fantasies of his own creation. Yeah. So we have an element of that here. You know, she's so in that fantasy that she makes herself late. Yeah, she almost misses her train because 8 o'clock is coming. Yeah. So it's interesting from that point. If we flip over to the cool side of the pillow and re-engage with the potential sexual undertones of this song, Mm. it sort of still works exactly in the same way. I mean, so, okay, let's just say, I think that part of what this song is talking about is is masturbation. Okay. Let's get that out of the way. Down for Lined Avenue. Is that where we're, we're going here? So, yes, I think that's the most, the lyric that most directly, in my mind, points to that argument. Can we look at the two sides of the coin of that, just that line for a moment? Sure. So, whenever, before I looked at the lyrics of this, I thought it was F-I-R. Because we're talking Pussy Willow, the tree. We're talking fur. I thought it was the, a fur-lined avenue. And I think Jupson and I had this conversation at one point, or, or a couple of us in the Discord as well, that I thought for sure it would be that. I looked at the lyrics on Google. I, I even went to silent singing. It's F-U-R. It's fur. So if this is not sexy, which it is, if this is not sexy, <laughs> is fur as a fur-lined avenue just like the rich people wearing the furs that Pussy Willow will never have? You know, working this crappy nine to five, she'll never be able to 
to casually stroll down this avenue in furs, not needing to worry about being wow. late for her job. So this is so fascinating because as someone who rejects all standardized spelling, <laughs> I had never considered how it was spelled. And I think oh. this kind of goes to the to the to the Shakespeare argument. You know, people say in some ways you shouldn't teach Shakespeare as literature because it was never meant to be sat down and read. It's meant to be heard. Oh, interesting. And so, you know, perhaps that is a specifically chosen word. Perhaps that word is chosen specifically because it has an ambiguity in the homonym. Sure. Well, right. Of it. Yeah. I mean, you don't ever write a song. Well, presumably you don't ever write a song expecting people to sit and dissect the written portion of it. You, I mean, that's that's super valid. But that would be the nightmare of a songwriter. Yeah. Who would ever do such a cruel thing? <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Sorry. So, but yeah, you know, so if it is, if we hear it as F-I-R, and again, I think that ambiguity is intentional. Is it, you know, she's running down an avenue lined with fir trees? Yeah. Or is she running something down the avenue, quote unquote, that is lined with fur? Yeah. I think it's that one. I, and but 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 again, it's both. You know, when we talk about a, you know sex, but especially masturbation, it's so much about fantasy. Yeah. And so it's like what we've talked about about you know listening to a piece of music and audiating these images. Mm. It's sort of the same thing. You know, the sensations that you create in your body cause these images, and the images cause sensations. So it's it's Sh- it's Schrodinger's sexiness. It's not there until you think it's there, and then it's there. Yes. But then, yeah, I'm just, yes, I'm picturing evergreen trees touching themselves seductively. That's what I get. Out of- <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever floats your pickle. <laughs> Float your pine cone. <laughs> and again, you know, who hasn't at some point been late to work because they were rubbing one out <laughs> every day? <laughs> thank, thank God I work, I work in the next room. <laughs> and, and yet still. <laughs> <sighs> Golly. So, yeah, I mean, any, like you said, any fantasy, it's, what is it, rule 23? If, if you can think of it, it's, it's porn on the internet. Like anything is porn or something like that, something along those lines. It's anything can be a kink, anything can be sexy. And as long as everyone, all parties involved are consenting, like, awesome, great, go to town. Yeah. Well, and also in terms of innuendo, something that a literature teacher in college once told me was, about innuendo and sex in in classic literature is if you have a hint of a suspicion that it's there it's there it's there yeah that was that's probably almost certainly intentional yeah, yeah because even when you don't suspect it it's there so the ones that you do yeah, notice <laughs> exactly. yeah i think i think that's i think that's pretty valid i think it feels like a great big red flag sticking out like a sore thumb just because of the connotation of the word pussy. But I do think that there is, I think you're right. I think there is a validity in the subtlety here and the, the art of the, the construction. And what's so brilliant about this song, this is why I love Ian's writing and the music of Tall, is because, you know, we can dissect it all day long, but at the end of the day, what this song is about transcends sex or not sex. Yeah. It becomes that, that continuum where, our internal lives are desperately important to us and keep us alive even when the outside world is dull and gray and grim. It almost goes back to Aqualung, the song. Hmm. Aqualung sees, you know, this thing and he and for him it's this fairy tale imagined world. That's um 
Mother Goose. Oh, I'm sorry. Mother Goose. You're totally, you're totally right. Yep. It's interesting that some of her other fantasies are, it's just images. You know, she longs for the East in a pale dress flowing. She longs for the East and a pale dress flowing. Oof. Yeah. It's hard to know exactly what that's about, but it's very evocative. Right. And then it gets very specific. An apartment in Old Mayfair. An apartment in Old Mayfair. You imagine her going to work, sort of like what you're saying, down these avenues of people of line, you know, these avenues lined with people wearing fur and saying, oh, there's that apartment up there. Ah, oh, I can fantasize this this life where I live in an apartment in an apartment like that. Yeah, and and everything that comes with the ability to live in that apartment. Right. And then the next is to fish the spray. The spay? S P E Y? To fish the spay, yes. Or to fish the spay spinning. So that's a river in Scotland which is famous for its fishing. So being able to have the time to do that? You know? Or just to go there, you know, yeah. it's, maybe it's far away. But also, to fish a river is a very euphemistic phrase having to do with sex and, you know, everything. <laughs> and then the final one, or to die for a cause somewhere. Or to die for a cause somewhere. I mean, her fantasies are diverse. Yeah, and honestly, when, you're, when your life is as humdrum and dull as it is, any little thing could be enough to to spark the imagination and ignite the flame. Yeah. Even something, you know, even is something as, as innocuous as her typewriter humming cutting dreams down to size again. Yeah, typewriter humming cutting dreams down to size again. You know, we sort of jokingly in an innuendo type way talked about the the fact that the sex organs swell when they are aroused the typewriter humming interesting that it says humming rather than clacking Mm. makes me think of you know a sex toy vibrating yeah yeah exactly but but that line that last line cutting dreams down to size again that's bringing her back to reality Exactly. And that's, you know, there's, I mean, there's, again, there's, I feel like every time we think that we have a handle on this, it, it just goes a little bit deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Going to chip your teeth. Be careful. Well, and, you know, some people feel shame about sex and masturbation and, and, you know, people have often described the, the post orgasm wave of shame that comes mm. over them mm-hmm. where it's like oh i've sort of i've done that thing oh god i'm a bad person what have i done <laughs> what have i done yeah i'll never do it again in five minutes oh stiff breeze look out nope. <sighs> before we really delved into the sexiness of it i tried to think of it as not euphemistic as possible you know, because I, I knew you would you would take it that way. So I tried to kind of we take the, role to play. The, the, the devil's advocate here, the boring devil's advocate. And and if you look at it just as her going the to devil's work, notary public. The, <laughs> the devil's comptroller, the if you <laughs> if you look at it as just that, like on that surface level, like she's bored at work, whatever. It's a very banal song. Even the mentions of the fantasy, like they're there, but there's not a whole lot in depth. He paints a little bit of a picture, but it's really just just flashes here and there. And it's beautiful musically. And lyrically, the way he sings it is very lovely, but it is very on the surface. 
I think when you do delve, when you do go down beneath the sheets, if you will. Oh, I will. You'll find a lot more that is, I could say, pleasing. (laughs) Well, I think that if you take the sex out of it completely, which is difficult, it still works. I think it's equally valid and interesting of a song, you know, an interesting premise. I think that I think you're right. It is much more complex than that. And I think that the element of of sex and sexiness in this song makes it that much more intriguing and that much more real and complex. And, and yeah. you know, the darkness is even that more exciting. It's like you never know when you see someone at work what who they really are on the inside. Yeah. Until you cut them open like a tauntaun. <laughs> I said until you cuddle them. I mean, that too. Who knows? Have you ever seen the, I think it's a Netflix animated series called Agretsuko? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've mentioned it before, but it's about, it's a, it's set in Japan and every, it, all the characters are these anthropomorphized animals. And it's about a little red panda who's, you know, it's just like this young woman who's trying to live up to societal standards and, you know, do a good job at work and climb this the corporate ladder and please everyone around her and, you know, be deferential to her boss and all this and do the right thing. But she secretly sings screamo death metal at night yeah. in these hardcore clubs. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of that, you know, where it's like this young woman, this character is like this sort of, you get the sense that she's this demure, you know, trying to do a good job at work, but she might be a freak. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's how she gets out. She, all that, everything that she deals with at work, it gets pent up and that's how she, she relieves that. You know, you don't, you never know, when someone un- loosens their tie or lets their hair down, you know? You don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I remember I remember I, I went to a club in Syracuse once called Trax with three X's. <laughs> I went to see a burlesque show not actually knowing what burlesque was. I was like, oh, yes, burlesque. The mid, mid-19th mid century dramatic form. Mm, how charming. Oh, oh, my oh, God. I feel funny. My pants are tight. The burlesque act was preceded by a vampire death metal band. I remember going in there and seeing a really sort of sad looking guy in his maybe 60s who who from the neck up looked like he ran, you know, a couple of financial accounts at the most boring finance firm that you could imagine. From the neck down, he was wearing like hardcore leather strap, bondage straps and had a, a choker chain around his neck connected to a, to a chain, which very sadly no one else was holding. And he Aww. looked really bummed. He looked like he was just, just wanted someone to, to dominate him and beat the shit out of him. He just wants someone to be his daddy. That's all. That was, it was pretty explicitly advertised. Yeah. But, you know, but he, but he could have literally been in a suit and tie and, and, and handling boring multi-million dollar accounts. Right, right. A half an hour before. So I think, I think the takeaway here for me is, and I, I feel a little foolish, like being able to finally pinpoint this after, what, 20 years of Jethro Tull at this point, uh, 12, is that, 12, 20, is like your professor said about if you think there's sex, there's sex. Yeah. You know, I think if if you think there's even a modicum of depth or multi-layer to Ian's work, it's there. He's not going to admit it because he'll he leaves it open to interpretation. He's he's more than happy if we just read it as, oh, this lady's bored and she she can't go to work or she doesn't want to go to work. 
you know. Exactly. But but he knows and he's smiling on the inside and he knows that the right people are going to know. And and the the construction of the song matches the intent of the song. Mm. It's a it is a on the outside demure looking song which on the inside yeah. is teeming with all this frightening dark sexual energy. Yeah, this song just wants a daddy. Yeah. There are straps. There's a ball gag in its purse. It's ready to go. Yeah. Nick, anything else to add about Pussy Willow? I need to open the door in the booth. It's getting a little steamy in here. Pussy Willow. Do you know what we're talking next week? What comes after Pussy Willow in the lineup here? I I am so exhausted that I, I barely know my own name. It also could be pretty kinky here. We've got Watching Me, Watching You coming up next. Yeah. That is track eight coming up next week. Until next week, you can make your fantasy of wearing branded Talk Tall to Me merch a reality by getting a cap, a shirt, or any other number of things. At our T Public page, you can find the link for that Talk Told to Me merch right in the show notes. The greatest fantasy for us personally is a five star rating and review that would really get my juices flowing. I was late to a meeting today because I was fantasizing about five stars. Oof. Oof. Yeah. It was Sean Connery, Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, well, I shouldn't go on. <laughs> While you're running for the train, why don't you take a little more mom deep inside you with additional <laughs> podcasts. Not that. Uh, of, not, uh, not that little. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> with additional podcasts available with a Patreon membership for the low, low price of $5 a month. Those are American dollars. If you're in Britain, that's barely any pounds at all. That will get you two additional podcasts, Feckless and Outtake Tall to Me. One of each drops each month, and you get access to the Discord. We love having our sweet, sweet tall skulls in the Discord talking with one another about tall stuff and not about tall stuff. Until then, I am a cross-her-face dancing Omen Thomas Sade. I am wearing a pale dress flowing in the East, Nick McGill. We are a sad voice that nobody hears. <laughs> Feckless moans. And this is down a fur-lined avenue. Talk tall to me. Sink the sub. Ride below the crupper. Hide the weasel. Board a land carrick. Park the porpoise. Join paunches. A bit of the old Humpty Dumpty. Play at rump scuttle and clapper to pouch. Little Jack Horny. Ride a dragon upon St. George. The Bone Dancer. Horizontal refreshment. Rumble foreskin. Arrive at the end of a sentimental journey. Baloney bop. Make feet for children's stockings. Little Jack Horny. 
dance, the Papian jig, the horizontal mambo, night physic, and prinkum prankum. Talk tall to me is a proud member of the feckless moans. Audio network. <laughs>